good morning to everybody. It is amazing to see each of you. Uh, we're glad that you're worshiping with us here in the building. And for those of you that are worshiping at home with us, we are glad you're with us as well. If I've not had a chance to meet you yet, I'm Alan. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Living Hope. And we are excited that you chose to come and worship uh, together with us this morning. We are in the middle of a series. We're walking through the entire New Testament this calendar year. Uh, we have called it Foundations New Testament. And uh, we are in uh, reading First and Second Corinthians about right now. If you do not have the reading plan and you'd like to be a part of it, you can get that online. You can get the reading guide that's available here in the building as well. And then also if you have your worship guide, at the very bottom of the worship guide, this week's reading is listed and at the bottom of the, the, the service. So uh, this week we'll be reading 1 Corinthians 14 through 16, and then we'll read 2 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. But we are in, uh, a, like I said, the middle of this series, and we are looking at the book of 1 Corinthians uh, this week. And if you've got a Bible handy, I'd encourage you to get that out, whether it's a printed copy or a digital copy of it. If you don't have a copy with you and you'd like a Bible now or even to take home with you as a gift from us, we've got some Bibles available at the entrances on the tables as you come in and out of the building. And you can grab that and take that with you. That'd be our gift uh, to you and to your family. But we are doing this uh, topic on 1 Corinthians based on the, the idea of unique in design, united in purpose. And we'll be talking about what I mean by that in just a moment. But before I get to that, I'd like to share a little story uh, about myself. I, if, I don't know if you know this about me or not, I don't need any amens necessarily, but if you don't know this about me, I can be hard-headed at times, especially as a young child. So I remember uh, an evening at our church, at First Baptist Church in Commerce, Texas, um, and there's actually a picture of the building that I'll get to in just a second. Leave that on the screen, we'll talk about it in just a second. I remember a Wednesday night leaving mission friends that my mom taught as a four-year-old kid, and we met in the second floor of that education building, not too far from the top of those stairs. And after class was over with, we were going to go down those stairs, and I don't know if you can tell it, but those stairs are very hard steps. They are concrete, brick, there's nothing there with any kind of cushion. I'm four years old. My mom reaches for my hand. I very much refuse that hand and throw a fit about having to hold her hand because I could do it by myself. I hit that first step and I tripped and I rolled head over heels all the way down the stairs. I told that story to my wife this week and she said, that explains a lot. <laughs> the reason I tell that story is because all too often, we can be like that little four-year-old Alan, and we can say, I don't need help. I got this. I can do it without anybody coming alongside of us. You know, when I told that story, parents are probably going, yeah, my kids, I know, they do that very thing. But the reality is, here I am, almost 50 years old. I don't really stumble downstairs, but I am, at times, too independent, forgetting that God has brought the body of Christ around me, that we are to do life together. You see, God made us for relationships. God made us for relationships. God made us to be in community 
with one another. God made us to be interdependent. But all too often, I don't know if it's a problem in the world, but I know it's a problem in the United States of America. We have this rugged individualism and no thanks. I don't need your help. I can do this on my own. But what God has fashioned in the body of Christ, not just living hope, but the church universal, all of the church and all local congregations, is that he has brought us together and he has made us uniquely different as individuals. He's designed us on purpose to be unique and yet to be united on purpose, therefore emphasizing both individuality and unity, emphasizing both diversity of individuals and also unity of one body and therefore we must do life together and so last week if you were here you saw me uh, like almost hurt myself with these instruments what is this thing called thank you very much uh, I had to ask somebody that's on the worship team what this thing's called it's a saxophone you know which kind it is good because I don't either it's a saxophone uh, it's a nifty one. If I were to blow on this, it probably wouldn't make a beautiful noise, but it, it, it's designed to do that. And then this one right here is so funny. I always want to call it a trumpet, but it's not a trumpet. I know what a trumpet is. This is a trombone, and I love the fact, is this called a slide? That I'm not a slide. Who did this to me? Hey, hey, Michael, where are you at? He set this up, and now it's not even sliding. And do I not know what I'm doing or what? I don't know. I don't know how to do it. But the idea is these instruments are uniquely designed. But you pull all of these instruments together as well as a lot of other instruments, either in an orchestra or a band, and they all play their unique sound. They all play their unique design, and yet they come together to make beautiful music. So whenever you think about a local church, when you think of Living Hope, if you look at each of us and you study each of us, we look different, we act different, we're different ages, we may have different skin color, we may live on different sides of town, we may have different backgrounds, we may have different types of jobs, we may have different experiences, we may have different family units, and yet God has brought us together to do life together. So in 1 Corinthians, the book, it's in the New Testament. If you, know, uh, uh, if, you, if you don't know about the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then you have 1st and 2nd Corinthians. The Apostle Paul, a leader in the early church, wrote this letter to a church in the city of Corinth. And it's in what would we would today call Greece. And he wrote this letter because he had a deep love for the church, and yet he saw problems within the church. And he realized there was some disunity, and he said, we need to speak into this situation what the gospel says, and then clarify the problems by bringing unity within the church family. And so this morning as we look at this text, we're going to see that this same sort of message applies to you and me. I've been using this illustration briefly about instruments and how they all come together to, to play beautiful music. Paul uses another analogy. He uses the human body to describe what the church should be like. So would you look with me? at 1st Corinthians chapter 12 I'll begin in verse 12 and I'll read through the end of the chapter which is verse 31 
And, and you may later want to read chapter 13 if you're not already aware of what chapter 13 is about because 13 really kind of picks up straight out of the end of chapter 12. Here's what Paul says. For just as the body, he's talking about the human body, just as the human body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, and he's going to use some analogies, kind of absurd to think that these body parts could talk to one another, but just imagine it. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I, I don't belong to the body, that would no, not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that should not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an, uh, an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has not, uh, sorry, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all prof uh, apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Uh, will, if you have the handheld, I think I would prefer to go to the handheld. So that text, he unpacks for us what it looks like for the church. The church is to be like a human body. So what is meant by that analogy? I would like for you to look down at verses 12 through 14. We're not going to read these again, but glance at verses 12 through 14 and, and verse 20 and then verse 27. All of those verses, all of those verses say the same sort of thing over and over and over again where it says the body is one but has many members. And then it says it again. All members are part of the same one body. Over and over and over again, there's this emphasis on the many coming together and being one. So on the back of your sermon notes, you'll see my first point it says this. Christ uses many parts to build his church, yet it remains a unified body. So I want us to look at these kind of two seemingly 
opposite views. One that says we are many, and yet those many parts come together to make one body. So, let's look at this a little bit closer. I'm going to switch to this uh, handheld. that on? Am I on? I don't think. Okay. All right. Don't you love technology sometimes? All right. Um, if we need to do anything else, let me know. All right. So back to what I said with, with the first point. Christ uses many parts to build his church, and yet it remains his unified body. All kinds of body parts. Think about them for a minute. You've got ear, hand, eye, you got the elbow, you got the big toe, you got the pinky, you, you even have the gallbladder, you've got the appendix. I don't know what it does, but all of these parts of the body. And God has brought those body parts together, and they don't work, they do work independently, yes, but they work interdependently because each part relies on another part. I did some research this week, and uh, my friend that's a doctor up here may tell me I'm not quite right, but what my Google told me, which is not always true on Google, is there are 11 different, there's one body, but there's 11 different systems in our body. And of those 11 systems, there are some 100 different organs in our body. And yet, God has designed them to work seamlessly together. And so just as those human body parts come together for the common good, all of the parts of the church body, all of the members of the church come together, uniquely fashioned to come together for a common purpose, and that is to lift up God, to worship him, and to serve him and tell others the good news. Can you imagine, kind of like what Paul did with his examples, can you imagine how silly the body would look if we were all one big ear? If my body was one big ear and I had just a big old Dumbo ear, that would kind of look silly, right? And you're going, your ears look funny as they are, Alan. But if they were all just one big old ear, it would look even sillier. Also, there's not one part of our body that thinks less of itself because it's not another part. Oh, my goodness, I'm a hand. I sure wish I was a kidney. If I could just be a kidney, then that would be the ultimate. And I am stuck with being a hand. No, the reality is, Every part of the human body serves its distinct purpose so that when put together, they can work together. So I don't know where you are right now. I don't know whether you've called Living Hope your church home or another church, or if you're just even thinking about this idea of God and not sure what to make of him yet. But the reality is this. When God brings a church family together, he purposefully brings them with unique, abilities, skills, and interests so that we can serve alongside together. You know, as I thought about this analogy that Paul uses, I, I thought, well, Paul, your analogy is simple. Like the human body, unless there is like cancer or something that's causing the body to fight against itself, we know human 
body parts just naturally work together. But the church is another story, right? Because we're made up of humans, and we as humans want to do our own thing, and we think we're independent, and therefore, Paul, it just seems so much harder for the body to come together as a church body and be like-minded and united. But the reality is that God empowers his church to come together as one. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 is the first verse I read. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. As I was studying this week, I thought it was interesting that that verse doesn't say, And all the members of the body, the church body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ's church. It just says, so it is with Christ. And the reason I say that is because I think that Paul is very clearly saying that it's not just that the church comes together as individual pieces to make a body of believers, but instead there is a sense that God empowers the church as we come together to serve as an incarnated body of Christ, to be the hands and the feet of Christ in our world. So God put us together. He has a purpose for living hope it's much bigger than let's come together on sunday mornings at 10 o'clock and have a worship service it's so that he can put us together to go out to tell others the good news that is found in jesus christ then look at verse 13 in verse 13 it says this for in one spirit we're all baptized into one body whether we're jews or greeks or slaves or free whether we're Cowboys fans or other fans, all were made to drink of one spirit. The way that the church can and should, the only way that a church can come together in our diversity and yet be one is when the Holy Spirit does that work in and through us. The way that we become one is by acknowledging that God's Holy Spirit is at work within us, and we cannot do this on our own. So if a church were having a unity issue, if there was a lot of division and, and, and problems within a church, which is not the case with Living Hope, but if it was the case with a church, the pastor couldn't just get up and go, guys and gals, it's time for us to love one another and let's do this and all walk out with this motivation to do better, to bring unity. No, the only way that unity happens within a congregation is when the Holy Spirit does his work and his people are submissive to his work in their lives. So we see throughout this text that God brings his many members together into one body for one common purpose. I want us to look at kind of both sides of that coin, though, for the second point says this, that we are to foster unity within the body. All throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, unity is a big, big topic. In fact, as I look at, at, at the word one, because it says in many places the body is one, it keeps talking about one, it also talks about single, this idea of working together. That idea of unity, oneness, and singleness in, 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 in the church body is mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians 85 times. And in this one text alone that I read, that word is used 12 times. So Paul is big on this idea of having unity within the body. It's not uniformity, but it's unity, unity of purpose. 
I believe that the way we begin to foster unity within the church is for us to remember our role versus what God's role is. If, if I think that my role is to be the pastor and be on stage and be important and say, look at me, look what I have together, and all you other peons are supposed to fall in line and do what I want you to do, then I have put my purpose above God's purpose. Rather, if I look at it and say God draws his body together and he has blessed me with the opportunity to be a pastor here on staff, and I'm not the only pastor, there are other pastors as well, that as we move towards having elders, I won't be the only elders, but there'll be a team of elders, and that God has just allowed me to be serving this capacity within the congregation, no more important than any other role, but a position that he's allowed me to take part in, then I'm seeing what his role is versus my role. You see, I don't call the shots. God calls the shots. He brings us together. And whenever I see his work in my life and in this body, then I can remain humble and therefore move towards unity in the body. The same story goes for you. Whatever role you serve, whether you're a hope group leader, a deacon, a ministry leader, whether you're a teacher of a Bible study class, or whether you're a D group leader, or whether you are a person who runs sound or leads music or works with the children, and the list go on and on and on. It's not about what you do. It's not about your title. It's about God bringing us together so that we can work together as one. It's the work that the Spirit does in our lives. I want you to look at two specific verses about how God brings the body together. Verse 18, and then verse, verse uh, sorry, verse 24. I said the word twice. Verse 18, and then the verse 24. In 18, it says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Verse 24 says, at the end of it, but God has so composed the body. So in 18, it says God arranged the body. In verse 24, it says that God composed the body. I, I went back and kind of looked at what does the Greek mean of the word arrange? What does the Greek word uh, for, for the word composed means? Arrange means to appoint or to set forth. To arrange means to assign a particular task. So if you're a member, if you're a part of Living Hope, you are not here by happenstance. If you are serving in a capacity in this congregation, that's not by happenstance, but instead God has given you a particular assignment or task to serve. And then this word composed has to do with mixing together, uniting, and, and, and structure that's in place. So as I think about the word composed, and as I look at these instruments, I don't know much about uh, music, but I think that that you've got people who design these instruments and then you have composers that take into consideration the different styles of, uh, of sounds these uh, um, instruments, that's the word, put together and they take the diversity and they compose it together to make a unified piece of work. God is both the designer and the composer. Like all my, all my idiosyncrasies and all of my quirks and all of my things about my personality God knew what he was doing I know it's kind of questionable at times but he knew what he was doing so that he could use that within the body of Christ just as he knows what he's doing when he makes you I think I had it in my notes and I left it out but what was going on in the 
Corinthian church is this. As Paul goes into chapter 12, he's addressing this problem because of an issue with spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a, is a, is a gift or talent or ability, uh, an assignment that God gives to each member of the church so that he or she can work to build up the church and to share the gospel with those around them. And in Corinth, what was going on is they were doing this thing of, well, my spiritual gift is better than yours. I'm better than you are. Like the spiritual gifts were designed to be kind of, in their mind, kind of a, a litmus test to see how holy and special you were. And if you got to speak on stage, then by goodness, you were amazing. If you didn't do anything important, then you really weren't all that important. Like that kind of thing. And Paul goes, this cannot be because God has fashioned his body as he intends, whether it's a gallbladder, an appendix, or, or, or a nose, each role is and so what I want us to see is that we need to understand that there's goodness in the way that God has fashioned his church. If we don't, then we'll begin to experience division. And the way division happens is whenever we forget that God is the arranger, when we forget that God is the composer, and whenever we begin to kind of manipulate and go, oh my goodness, if I could just have that role, if I could just serve in that capacity, oh, if I could just be like him or her, oh, if I could just come and get some kind of power or authority in the church, then that would make me something special. The reality is this, that God draws his body together as he chooses to do so. So here's some kind of practical steps of how we can foster unity within the body. We, we've got to guard against this temptation to compare. Can I tell you a struggle that I have? Whenever I hear another pastor preach, I begin to compare myself to him, and I say, man, if I could just preach like Matt Chandler, then I would have it together. But I just can't preach like him. Or, or if I could lead like a pastor down the street or whatever. The reality is this. God has made me to be me. And if I'm faithful to who he has called me to be, then it doesn't matter if I can preach as good as the preacher down the street. It's being faithful to who he has fashioned me. And comparison does me absolutely no good whatsoever. And so as a member of the church, don't get into the comparison game. It's not healthy at all. Along with that, guard yourself against envying someone else's gift. Comparison leads to envy. And those lead to division. So the flip side the things to guard against. Here's, here's the flip side of it. Instead of comparing or having envy, ask God to help you find satisfaction in his work in you. God's made you to be you. Celebrate that and live it out. And then celebrate how he's put you within the body and find that place to serve within the body. Instead of wishing you had somebody else's gifts, use the gifts that he did give you and serve within the body as he's made you to be. But there's a problem all too often. We'll either over-exaggerate or under-emphasize ourselves. In other words, we'll be braggadocious and think we all have it all together or we'll think we're completely inferior 
both of those lead to problems. Both of those end up causing us to think that either we or others are dispensable. I'm not good enough. He's not good enough. But Paul says, don't do that. You see, all parts of the body are different, but they all have a purpose, and that's unity for the church. Yesterday, if you may have noticed, I'm kind of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer today. Uh, Yesterday, we were all day long at a track meet. The sun was not out, but I got a nice sunburn. But while I was there, I was watching some incredible athletes run and do other field events and the amazing abilities that they have. And I was left to wonder, is it just the legs that make the person win the track meet? Absolutely not. Because you've got other things that are a part of it, right? Your breathing has to be right. Your form has to be right. You have to hold your shoulders just right. Your posture is just right. You see, a track meet is not one on the legs alone. The body works together to accomplish the task of winning the race. So when the race is over with, you don't go over to the guy who won the 100 meters and look at his legs and go, good race, legs, good job, buddy. No, you look him in the eyeballs and you tell him or her they did a good job. Because every part of the body works together to run that race. It's not about the individual pieces. It's about the unity that's found there. Look at verse 27 with me. In verse 27, I I just love this verse. It's short. It's a repeat of so much of what he has said here. But here's what he says. Now you, and that you there is plural. He's talking to all of us. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So he emphasizes this difference, this diversity, and yet this unity coming together as one. Unity happens when each member is playing their part for the cause of the unit, and God has called us to be the church together. So let's celebrate and foster unity while also doing this final point. And that is this. Celebrate the great diversity of the body. You see, to have unity does not mean that we never observe the differences that exist among us. To see the unity of a church body is not to say that we all look, act, smell, and think alike, but instead we look at the beautiful tapestry of who God has made us to be. And the only way we can do that is to not only strive towards unity, but celebrate the uniqueness that God has put in all of us. diversity is not a hindrance to unity rather diversity is an absolute necessity for unity because God brings all the unique perspectives and insights and ideas and thoughts and abilities and spiritual gifts to bring about unity look at verses 22 and 23 I mentioned a moment ago that we don't need to see ourselves or anybody else as indispensable in verse 22 and 23 Paul says, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we end up bestowing the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. And in those two verses, he uses the word weaker 
less honorable and unpresentable. And then behind that, he says, but no, they're not weaker. They're actually indispensable. No, they're not worthy of less honor. They're actually worthy of greater honor. No, they're not unpresentable. They're worth modesty. In other words, God gives honor to those who don't seem like they're honorable. So if you are here this morning, you're like, Alan, I feel like I'm just kind of a, a person in, in the room. I'm just an ant at this church, and, and I don't feel like I'm important or I'm significant or, or, or worthy. You are absolutely worthy. We can't be this church without you. You are needed. You are loved. And God is the one who says you are worthy. You see, the parts that don't seem to fit elsewhere are given a, a primary place by God. And that is something worth shouting about. In verse 26, he points out why it is that we're all worthy. Why it is that we're all honorable why it is that god needs all of us why the body needs all of us i should say why the body needs all of us verse 26 says if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is 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 honored all rejoice together and it acknowledges that if one part of the body is impacted then all parts of the body are impacted i thought of this i think i've told this story before but back in the day before i got married while i was young and dumb i i got a carpet burn on my knee and it's just a carpet burn right it just affects that one area of the knee like when that scab goes off then everything is fine and dandy until you do something boneheaded and you pick the the scab off and then you think it's just a scab's gone like my knees are healed and then i go to a football game and i'm standing during the game and my leg starts hurting and then my leg feels hot, and then I get home, and my leg, like, from my waist all the, down, all the way down to my ankle was right beet red, and it was hot to the touch. I'm young and dumb. I'm like, what is that about? Like, I don't know what's going on. So I call my dad, and I said, Dad, I've got, and I explained it to him. It's like midnight, and he's like, son, this sounds like you got a staph infection. I'm like, oh, is that bad? Yeah, like, you need to go to the ER. Like, you could die from this i'm like it's just a scab on the knee dad and i go to the er i walk in they're like what are you here for i got a scab on my knee and then i explain what happened and sure enough i had a staph infection i had to elevate my feet i think that's what i'm supposed to do i'm looking at my doctor over here i had to elevate my feet so that i would survive a knee injury what i'm telling you is this when that knee suffered my whole body literally suffered You're not just a knee. You're not just a scab on the knee. You are an important part of this body. But you know, the thing is, I, I mentioned this last week. Because of this past 13 months, this thing called the pandemic, uh, 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 unprecedented, all of those words, because of quarantine, because of life, we have not been able to really do life together like we would like to be able to do. And I said last week, there's so many of us that have suffered this year that maybe we haven't been able to share it with the church body. There's so many of us that have celebrated good things this year, but we haven't had a chance to share that. So I said, hey, would you fill out a survey? And I got a good re re response. I got 13 people to respond. And I say that number because I'm going to share a bunch of stuff with you. 
And just know that if 13 people experience these things, what this room full of people, what these people watching online, what we have celebrated and what we have suffered through. And as I share these, could we make a commitment to one another that as I hear these, that I can pray for these individuals, even though I may not have a name attached with these individuals? May it be a reminder that we are to suffer together, we're to rejoice together. And here's some things that I found out this week. This idea of if one member suffers, all suffer together. Here are some things that the people in our church shared that have happened in the last year. Several deaths of loved ones. Lots of plans changed because of COVID and the complications associated with it. Some who experienced divorce this past year. Many people who, experience, who, who are and have experienced anxiety and depression. Many that mentioned health issues that they have had personally. Some mentioned mental or emotional struggling that they're experiencing. Someone said, I've had family members that stopped going to church and stopped believing in, in Christ. Others said, I I'm scared that a loved one might die from COVID. Somebody else said, I have gotten in the habit of routine of worshiping online and not coming in the building. And it's almost as if we've made a habit of missing church and thinking that that's okay. The COVID's impact on my family and, and its health has been large. The, the, the feeling of isolation and financial difficulties. Did I, did I tell you only 13 people responded to that? And yet that's the list of things that I found. On the flip side, let's celebrate. If one member is honored, then all rejoice together. Somebody said, I got baptized this past year. Somebody else said, this was really cool to see. Two or three people said people's name and what they did, and they listed how people had specifically intentionally reached out to them with purposeful acts of kindness, dropping off pie, sending a card, loving them well. Others said, I was able to stay a part of my hope group through Zoom, and technology allowed me to feel that connection. Others talk about success and promotion, uh, can't speak, promotion at work. Others talk about relationships and how genuine community had developed this past year. Others talk about how the church family had loved them so well. Others talk about simple provisions of life, and then others talk about their family. Guys, God is good. Even when we suffer, these are the same people sharing these stories. When we suffer, we should suffer together. When we rejoice, we should rejoice together and celebrate all that God is up to. So my question is this, would you be willing to find people in your life that you can share these kinds of stories with? Your hope group would be a great place to do that. Your D group would be a great place to do that. You're going, I don't know what a hope group is or a D group is. That's okay. I'd like to plug you into one. There's some information in our worship guide about it, but basically our hope groups are our small groups that meet either in homes or online or a hybrid variety of that. We would love for each of you to be in a small group. But God is up to some things in our lives, and we should, suffer, we should suffer together, we should rejoice together. You see, no part of our physical body can separate itself from the rest of our physical body and survive. Likewise, we cannot separate ourselves from our church body and survive. I want to make two statements or two questions 
I want you to hear both of them, especially those of you that are worshiping with us online. Because if you only hear one, you may misinterpret what I'm saying. Here's my first question. Based on this idea that we are the body and we need one another, are you this morning at home because it has become comfortable for you to worship at home instead of in the building? You're busy doing everything else out in the world during the course of the week, but you have found it comfortable to stay at home for worship. If that's you, let me say with you as, to you as your pastor, we need you. Like, come, be a part of worship in the building and do life with us together. I say that with confidence because I've had one com- conversation with a church member that specifically asked me about a month ago, Alan, are we going to stop doing live stream when COVID is over with? And I said, tell me why you asked that question. And they said, because, Alan, it is more comfortable, comfortable for me to have my pajamas on and worship in my living room than it is to get up to the church. And this person said, I've become lazy in that area. That's not a judgmental statement on that person or anyone else. It's just how we are as humans. It's easy to get in that routine. If that's you, come on back. We want you in the building. Please don't dismiss this next statement, though. Because my next question is, are some of you worshiping at home because that's the wise thing for you to continue to do today? And if that's the case, we support you, we love you, and we're glad you're worshiping with us the best way you can in the season, and that is virtually online. Because there are still people that need to do that, and we love you, and we miss you here, but you're doing the right thing for you. And we as a church have got to love them well. We've got to. Let's do life together. For me to say, for me to say that we can't be the body without all of our pieces is both encouraging because now I know I'm needed and yet it's challenging because that means I need to step up to the plate and commit to my local church that God has called me to be a part of. Next weekend, this coming weekend, we've got a couple of bro- uh, brochures, these aren't brochures, these are banners up about it. It says Engage Missions Conference. We're going to be celebrating how God is at work in our world through our missionaries, through our city, through our community partners, and how he's calling us to be a part of what God's doing in our local congregation, through ministry teams and things like that. I encourage every one of you to be a part of that missions conference, and I encourage you, every single one of you, to be here on Saturday from 4 to 6 o'clock during that portion so you can walk through the building and see the ministries of our congregation, because I guarantee you that some of you are not serving anywhere, and God is calling you to serve. I'm guaranteeing some of you can run cameras and run audio and run uh, the slide presentation at at the top there. You can do technology. You can do things to help us get the message out in our live streaming. There's some of you that need to be serving in preschool areas at times. There's some of you that need to be serving in children's areas or youth areas. All kinds of ways. We can't do this unless we come together as a body. Come, be a part of Engage. Specifically, don't miss Saturday afternoon. So what do we do from here? What do we do from here? We celebrate the fact that we all need each other. We celebrate the fact that we need to respect and love one another. We celebrate the fact that we've got to sympathize with each other and do life together. But you know what? 
Absolutely none of this is possible without a relationship with Jesus. I said earlier that so many of us think that either we or other people are, are dispensable, not important, inferior. But here's the deal. The reality is this. Every single one of us that are followers of Jesus Christ are important to the local church because Christ died for you and thereby declared through his sacrifice that you are valuable and you are important. Jesus, the most worthy of all, counted himself temporarily dispensable as he gave up his life for us so that we could be in relationship with him not by anything that we do or think or even believe but instead faith and trust and repentance in him and him alone that puts us in right standing with him and thereby we become a member of the church the body of Christ. And he arranges the body as he sees fit. The question is, are you faithful to play the role within the body that God has made you to be? Many of you have recently gone through the new membership class as a part of our church body. And if that's you, we want to get you plugged into ministry. Those of you that have been a part of this church for quite some time, maybe you were faithfully serving and then COVID hit and you kind of got out of the routine, it's time to step back in and begin to serve. There's others of you that haven't felt like you found your niche or your place, but the reality is every single one of us, whether gallbladder or big toe, we're important. Let's serve within the body. There's others of you that you, you, you're wanting to become a member of the church. Good news is first, I think it's, no, it's in May. Sometime in May, go to our website. We're having another membership class. I think May 23rd. And you can plug in and be a part of this body. And then there's others of you. You've never understood the need to turn to Christ for forgiveness of sin and trust in him. Would today be the day that you would accept this free gift of salvation that's available through him? I'm going to lead us in prayer. And after the conclusion of the prayer, we have a song that the worship team is going to lead uh, or sing. And it's going to be uh, time for you to kind of reflect. You can stay seated during that first song. And they're going to kind of sing this song over us. I, I think the words are probably on the screen. And as they do that, continue to contemplate what God's leading you to do. And then I think we're going to have a second song, and that'll be a chance for you to respond, whether it be there at your seats or whether it's here at the altar to come pray with me or, or to fill out a connection card, whatever the case may be. Um, but let's hear God's voice this morning and respond accordingly. Let me lead us in prayer.